You are now listening to Sage. All right. We got that thing running. So we are live on Rumble, it seems. I might have, uh, I did a test run this morning. Um, it's clicked up at the top there. So make sure you um, subscribe to the Rumble channel. Um, we'll be at a good point. So we'll, me and Will uh, talked, and he was concerned a lot about the um, fact that some of these channels are just getting ripped down, right? There's a lot of channels being ripped down or um, channels that aren't being used. And a lots of things are going basically awry with that. Um, so, hang on. Uh, we have very few. We have become a society. Yeah, we'll get a bunch of that. So, we kind of just, me and him kind of decide eventually I think Will's going to even have to go someplace that um, we might have to pay. Like, I've got uh, Vimeo. And, like, in regards to, like, Patreon and stuff like that, it can be set up for that. But it's it's one of those things that... YouTube is not becoming content uh, friendly in regards to some of the stuff that's going on. Um, some of the stuff you talk about, things like that. So even this show here is going to be either moved to just Twitch and Rumble. So either you subscribe to the Twitch or you subscribe to the Rumble, but pick one. Uh, because like I said, the link's up there at the top for the Rumble. Um, I, you know, I, I jumped in and paid like, it's like 10 bucks a month. I just stepped up from the free version. And it's going to be moving over there just because I'm not going to be, you know, doing shows like this and trying to explain what's going on and then being ripped down. And we're noticing, I'm noticing a lot of that too, because a lot of these other channels are, are being kicked down to like, I don't know, true seeker 771.2, um, or, you know, Libert 6,316, whatever. Um, but it's a lot of these channels that, they're just either if you're either you're not active with them or you're not doing stuff or um, you're putting out information that they they don't want to keep pushing that they become either held responsible for or you're talking about things that they feel is uh, dangerous they basically say goodbye so that's not something that we want to deal with right I mean we do a lot of work like I mean there's times I'm up at four o'clock in the morning um, and I'm either, I'm starting to watch stuff or I'm watching Will and then I start to kick into my research and then I'm going until all, you know, four o'clock in the afternoon doing some of this stuff on top of moving freight and everything else. So it's a lot of work. We put in a lot of work for this stuff. Um, or I'm reaching out to a bunch of people, um, and trying to bring them on for interviews and stuff like that, which I ended up reaching out to somebody who finally got back to me and we've been talking back and forth and he's going to be a fantastic interview. Um, of real what's really going on uh, and real intel and i'm going to show i put on my community page uh the documentary but i'm going to play it here also and just kind of talk about that what's going on in regards to china and russia and things like that but it might not be youtube friendly it might not be where they wanted to hear about it but it's what's going on so like i said if you're not following me on rumble if you're not following me on at least twitch i prefer rumble right now um because that is a i per, I like platforms that I actually have to pay something to be on, right? Uh, because if I'm paying something to be on it, then I have a little more say than if it's free, right? Now, a lot of these, you know, everybody's bitching and, and screaming sometimes about YouTube, but it's free. So I'd rather, I'm going to pay, go ahead and, you know, pay for the Rumble at least a 10 bucks a month. Uh, that way I feel a little bit more secure. I pay for the other one, so I feel a little bit more secure, right? Because I'm paying for it. It's my platform. Complaints come to me, Um and then, you know, well, I can tell you where to go. But uh, in regards to that, there is a lot of stuff going on. And 
I think it's some of the stuff that we kind of have to understand what's going on because I've run it. I, I've been speaking with a couple different people that are in the know. Um, and it seems that it's not going to get any, any prettier anytime soon. So I'm going to kind of talk about a little bit about that. Um, I'm going to, I grabbed a couple videos I wanted to play to explain what's going on. And pretty much that's kind of what I want to do today. Like I said, I normally don't do Friday live streams. So this is kind of a test run with rumble. I am on Twitter right now. Um, YouTube, Twitch and rumble Twitter. Yeah. And we're just kind of see, I want to make sure that this thing would hold up and it seems like it's going, I don't seem there to be an issue now. Uh, the other thing too, that I want to talk about, if you're watching will on rumble, I have an iPhone. Um, so the app that I downloaded first, when I went, when I clicked the link, um, to watch it on rumble, it took me to the same page as what will's channel looked like on his phone. But when I actually got out of that and went directly to the app and then found the stream through the app only, it looked like my phone. So it, it, do me a favor. If you're on Rumble, um, don't click the link. Go to your Rumble app if you have it and try going directly there and just from the app, find me, find my page and then go from there and see if it looks any different than what it looked like um, last night because that's what I did. I went through the link and it looked just like Will's. Um, but then when I backed out of that because I was having some issues, um, and I went to the app, downloaded the Rumble app, and then found Will's channel through the app, and then clicked on his live. It looked like it said on there that it's, you know, click here for uh, chat. So that might be um, something you might guys might want to do. It's just don't go through a link. Just actually go to his page, go to the app, find his page through the app, and then click on it through the app and let me know if it looks any different than it did last night on mine, if you're watching on mine. Um, because that that's kind of what happened to me. Uh, besides that, it worked well. Um, once I downloaded the app, when I first started watching, it was glitchy. I had to restart my phone. Once I restarted my phone, it was fine. So it, it kept stopping on me. Um, and then I, re I don't know what, maybe the app downloaded something or whatever didn't work well. Uh, but once I restarted the phone and clicked it, it was perfect. So that's the only thing that pretty much information i can give you in regards to rumble um is actually view it through the app and if it's glitchy just try restarting your phone that's pretty much all i did and i was able to to watch him last or listen to him last night and then i again watched what i didn't watch last night this morning so besides that that's pretty much uh i'm hoping to like i said eventually move and build an audience over on rumble and stuff like that so um and then i still have the other channels all right that being said, uh, also, I did update my um, Sage, sagenewslive.com. You can go there. Uh, you can find my channels there. You can find the podcast there. You can find everything you want to you know, do there. Um, so that's all updated. And I think that's pretty much everything. Yeah, I think that's pretty much everything on the list. Except for where's my mouse? There's my mouse. All right. So let me do this. Except for the chat. Now, my chat, of course... Maybe I need to start in YouTube because my restream chat is just not wanting to work well. Um, so let me do this here. And that's probably not going to pop up there. 
but it's over there on that one. That's fine. I can read it over there. Okay. All right. So a couple things I wanted to show. So the first thing I'm going to show, we're going to go into is let's go, let's turn on my display. Let's uh, turn off this and we're going to jump into this here. And I should probably, let me do this. Oh, come over here. Actually, I don't need to have the chat on because I'll just have it down here. And I will shuffle this over to here. And move this to here. All right. So one of the things I reached out a while ago was to an individual who is pretty good um, up when, in regards to Intel and uh, works for a private company who does analysis type stuff in regards to um, what's going on with uh, China and, and Russia um, and things like that. So he has briefed people. He has briefed Congress. He's briefed um, a bunch of different agencies. Um, and he's also offered to be able to, he's going to come on for an interview um, and we're going to talk to him. And he's a part of this documentary right here. But he's also uh, hooked me up with a couple other people. He says that he's got um, um, some DEA agents that would be willing to come on and do an interview with us. So at that point, that's going to be pretty cool. Um, there's one green with your profile pick. Yeah, technically they're both mine. One is, um, just so you know, there's going to be two Sage News. Um, one, if you would go to both, one is my backup that all my YouTube videos go to. And the one that you're on that this is streaming from is going to be where I send all my lives. So one is just kind of for backup and the other one's going to be for the lives. So I did chat. So the one that's got the live right now, obviously, that's also hooked up to my locals. I do have locals, so you can join locals also. But if you would subscribe to both, um, that's going to be where, like I said, anything, the other one's for backing up my, my YouTube channel. This one is where I'm going to start to send the streams to. So, uh, but thanks for bringing that up. So, yeah, so basically he's got a bunch of people that, um, he's going to send my way for interviews, um, that we can kind of see what's going on because we have a ton of issues going on, um, in regards to China. And I'm going to kind of break it down a little bit, um, and kind of explain what's going on. From him and from, well, uh, the other one is Rebecca, basically. Um, when I run some stuff by, past them in regards to what they think, um, I've been, I've been kind of dead on, uh, they seem. I mean, there's a little bit more to it, but I've been pretty good with it. So first thing I want to do is I'm going to kind of play this. And this is a trailer to a documentary that's going to be premiering, I believe he said next Thursday. Um, and then once it comes out, you know, it'll be, I want to say a couple weeks after that's going to come out full, but the trailers I, I believe is next Thursday and he's a part of this and the people that he's going to let, that he's basically pushing my way for interview is also a part of this. So I'm going to go ahead and play this. The American people are standing on the edge of a cliff. I'm a father. Like every dad, I want to see my kids grow and prosper and I'm afraid for their future. Oh, yeah. This is the most ambitious regime in history. The greatest threat facing the United States is the CCP. Sooner or later, we are going to defeat America. 
the goal and the objective for this World War III scenario for the Chinese Communist Party is to defeat the democratic system. The Wuhan virus. Now understand what he said. This is China, China and I'll explain this, but it's to defeat the democratic system. Give China a good opportunity. Yes, we're in World War Three now. Hang on. Give China a the Wuhan virus gave China a good opportunity. Now remember that. Yes, we're in World War Three now. But it's a third world war that the United States and the rest of the free world has never been prepared for. We are in a world war with the Chinese Communist Party without realizing it. When you're losing a war and you don't even know you're in it, it's hard to get worse than that. We have to become comfortable with the term warfare under our own roof. Uh, this is right here is Casey Fleming is the person that I'm going to be having on. He's the first I reached out to. I had like an hour long conversation with him. Um, it was a really good. I was shocked. Um, I, both, I think he was shocked both ways because I just said I wanted to interview him. And most of the people that interview him don't know as much as, you know, we dive into me and Will. So he was a little shocked that, you know, I, that I, I, we knew as much as we were diving in as much as this was. So he's going to be somebody I'm going to be having on. Um, and he's guiding me to a bunch of other uh, people that, from DEA agents to uh, people that are, are um, in cybersecurity and a bunch of other stuff. In our companies, confronting the CCP is the final war. They have been systematically working since the day they took power in China to confront their number one enemy, the American government. I thought it was a joke. I never thought it could become true. It is terrible that CCP has gotten so far along in this 100-year plan, but they've gotten really close to succeeding. The Epic Times investigation team had studied the CCP for years. But this time, what we uncovered was yielding evidence beyond our imagination. Hide our strength and bite our time. When they tell you they are weak, that's when you watch out. They have been made it very clear. The reason we open our door, open our market to the US, just we want their money. Take their money, take their technology, and get rid of them when they at the first opportunity. In 2001, Jiang ratcheted up the budget to purchase Russian weapons. The new Chinese military is the only one being developed anywhere in the world today that is specifically configured to fight the United States of America. Specifically configured, specifically targeting, specifically. People Liberation Army has been very actively working on bioweapon programs. We are capable of achieving our goal of cleaning up America in the blink of an eye. China's strategic goal is to make sure that the U.S. has four enemies, and one of them must be a terrorist group. Russia is like one, but it's not enough. In front of the United States, it's a tiger. He wants to eat you. With Chairman Mao, with the Prime Minister, our talks have been characterized by frankness, 
the Clinton administration said, oh, don't worry about it. This will be a poison pill for China. Well-intentioned American presidents and other leaders have been duped by them. We face the prospect of becoming a U.S. system with Chinese characteristics in the not-too-distant future. Destroying the free world and your life, your happiness, and your children's future. And a new generation of Americans will be trained to obey the CCP. We must live, you must die. This is straight out of the communist playbook. We are giving up our life's blood so that the Chinese Communist Party can survive and thrive. So basically, just so you guys know, again, the reason I got this was one of the, uh, Casey Fleming is the person that I, I reached out to, and basically I've been emailing back and forth ever since. I've been texting me, he texted me this link, he says, this is the documentary. Um, you know, would you like to be able to interview people from this documentary? I said, oh, yes, I would. Um, so I'm, he's the one I'm going to be interviewing for, uh, first. Um, it's not coming up for a couple weeks. Uh, so I'm going to pull a bunch of stuff and make sure that, um, you guys, we kind of know what, what, you know, what's going on and then ask from there. Um, but like I said, I spoke with him for about an hour, um, even bouncing some of the stuff that I was seeing. Um, from what, you know, logistical and, and things like that off of him. And, and, you know, I said, Hey, let me ask you this. Here's some of the stuff that I'm seeing. Here's some of the stuff that I think is going on. Um, can you tell me, you know, if I'm right? And he said, yeah, yeah, you are. Um, but it's a little bit bigger and, and let me explain. I said, perfect. So we talked for a while. So some of the stuff I want a guy, which we've gone over and in regards to um, having uh, Van Fleet on and having Re Rebecca uh, Koffler on and me having um, Antonio Graceffo on, it's all the same thing. And we're, we're seeing it now and we're all kind of seeing it in bits and pieces. So in regards to the E to the S to the G, yeah, you know me, um, that type of social credit score type thing, um, things like that are definitely moving this way. So, a lot of the stuff, um, yes, if somebody can drop Will's channel, Will's Rumble channel in there too, one of the mods, please. Um, is there a mod here for me? Hang on. Hang on, let me grab Will's channel. Hang on, let me do this. Uh, doom. Actually, hang on. Oh, no, it's over here. Let me do that, because I don't know. All right. Let me grab Will's channel. I'll grab the video here. This is the video he did. That is Will's channel. So I just dropped Will's channel in there, too. So, yes, please, if you're not subscribed to Will... Um, on his Rumble channel, please jump on that one also. Let me go like this. And let me go this. All right. So, basically, a lot of the stuff that they're doing is you have to look at from a different pr perspective. And we're, we're going to go over a little bit. And I know if you've been with me for a while, you listen. The perspective you want to understand is that the when it comes to China and Russia, the last thing you want to do is get into a kinetic battle with us and nato right because it's not just us it would be nato also right 
But if you can do it to make it look like it's not a direct conflict, not a, a direct pop in the face, then you can do it strategically. It becomes what's known as hybrid warfare or unrestricted warfare, which, uh, which was a book that was written by two Chinese colonels um, back in, I believe, the 1990s or t- early 2000s or something, that area. Well, what that basically gives is various reasons to take down your enemy rather than that straight punch. Um, it's sort of like uh, judo. Judo allows is a big uh, martial art that deals with using your other your opponent's um, energy, forward energy, to basically take them down. Uh, and Putin is a master. He takes judo. He was he loved the art of judo and things like that. China is a very slow moving. Um, let you set you up for failure type process. Uh, they have a hundred year plan. I mean, a hundred year plan it's in from 1949. Um, and we've talked about that. So you have two superpowers that both understand that you can't go toe to toe. You should not go toe to toe, but there's ways to be able to take an, your opponent down if you wait for the right time and, and handle it properly. Um, so even Glenn Beck, if anybody watches Glenn Beck, recently did a show on his Wednesday show that talked about Yuri, he's Russian, um, he's a Russian guy that talked about subversion and basically how to take down a country over 20 years. And it was the KGB plan, and people have probably seen that um, video. And he talked about it basically after I, we did the interview with Xi, with, um, Xi Van Fleet in regards to the culture revolution. Blame everything, take down the schools, take down this, and take down that. So if you don't really throw that punch, you can slowly erode at the foundation of a country. And we're that country that's getting eroded. So a lot of the things that they're doing in regards to the misinformation um, is affecting us as a country. And we see this all the time, right? And and I'm going to put it out there. If any of the... Liberts or anybody else want to come up on panel, you're welcome to come up on panel again, right? You're, you're, I'm, I'm putting it off there. Now, you won't because you never do, but you're welcome to, to let me know and I'll drop it. We'll, we'll do this. But so first it starts with something as in regards to our pick your politician day, right? First, you have chaos with the pick your politician day. That chaos starts to cause the collapse. It was doing it a little bit before, but this this year's Pick Your Politician Day was the the boom, uh, uh, you know, the explosion. And that mass confusion was a huge mental issue for a lot of people, right? Couldn't believe it happens, or you just get to the point where you're like, this, you know, this sucks, I can't believe this, I don't want nothing to do with this, and, and yada, yada. Well, we've all seen here, that we've shown between me and Will, that People went, are going nuts with it. They're completely breaking down um, their mental state with it. And that's the other thing that China admits they're doing. It's, it's, it's part of their thing that they want to do is make it where you can't even think straight. You can't even think straight. Now, we've had a doctor on um, that basically we talked about how the brain works. And we talked about that you have, let's say, to simplify it. You have two, basically two spots in your brain, one that takes information in and one that pushes information out. Uh, so the one that takes it in, takes it in, and then the other part would be like, well, why does that happen? 
That's the, the part of your brain that asks questions out, that needs more information. Well, when you get these short videos, um, the one-minute videos, or just the headlines, or just 160 characters on Twitter, um, or the shorts on YouTube, and you're just bombarded by these short informations, it makes the side of brain that takes information in stronger than the, inf- than the side that asks, puts information out. It's like muscle memory. You can literally make this side of the brain way more, yeah, way more susceptible to um, than than that, than than the, the questioning things, right? Uh, even Will brought up something, and, and it was funny when he said this on his show. He he said that um, Derek Johnson can read, but there's a big difference in under in in intelligence and IQ is understanding comprehension reading comprehension is what makes people smart comprehending and understanding what they read is what makes people smart and i'll give you a good example we had a friend uh we went to baltimore to see and they their son they're from south korea uh, and he works uh as a physicist and they have a a a young son young son i believe is i don't know six years old right and obviously he's um, Korean American, so he, you know he speaks both Korean and, and English. But he is reading stuff that I'm like, oh my god, how is he that young and reading that those words? Like, how can he possibly do that? I'm like, that's amazing. And his mom's like, yeah, but he doesn't understand what he's reading. He doesn't understand what those words mean at all. He just knows how to read them. And I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, go ahead and ask him. And he didn't. I'm like, what's that mean? Oh, but he could read it, right? So when it comes to the brain, throwing information into one side, short, quick, pops to the brain fast, very quickly, basically overloads one side and makes that receiving end stronger. And it doesn't allow the questioning side of your brain to basically comprehend, process, or do any critical thinking before you're already overloaded with the next piece of information boom 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 and since it's not it's not like you're watching an hour show where they're ramping up the same information they're throwing you completely new information over and over and over and over again so that you don't have time to process the information weakening one side and making the other side stronger so this was the first start of what basically china like tiktok and stuff like that does is that it shortens that attention span. And we're all seeing it now, right? I mean, right now there are times that, you know, I was, I think I was 10 years old staying at home by myself while my mom, because my mom went to work, we'd come home from school, I had to take care of, you know, little brother and we were 10 years old, I'd have to make something. Um, You know, usually it was uh, ramen noodles, it's ramen noodles. Um, But I wouldn't nowadays, you you wouldn't leave the 10-year-old home. You wouldn't leave, I mean, there are, 16s and 17 year olds eating soap packets right it's like what is wrong with you so common sense critical thinking processing information we now have adults who think the government's going to give them free money adults um they think that you know all this crazy stuff is is basically just a movie and they're waiting for the credits and these are adults so you can, you can, if you take a step back and, and or look, and, and being from logistics, I, I normally look at things um, from a top-down view, right? You basically look and say, wow, there's some damage here. 
right? There's some damage here. So as that that kicks in, then you have the pick your uh, uh, politician day kick in. That causes an explosion. That causes separation. That causes chaos. Um, you get to the point where nobody, like I said, you destroy all of the, the base structure of, of a country. Um, you know, government, law enforcement, military, schools, medical, you know, and politicians are all corrupt. You can destroy a country. Prove it? Sure. Mao did it. Mao did that exact thing to China. That exact thing he did, he destroyed all of the foundations and made everybody corrupt, and he did it. He literally did that. And let's look, at this point, where is China now? Well, China is a communist country who is basically surveilled everywhere they go, and they have a social credit score that allows them to either get on the bus or not get on the bus, to buy a home or not buy a home, um, to get a loan or not get a loan. Because it broke the system of being able to, you know, maintain your own intelligence. All right. From that point on, you're basically rolling into where we are now from something that the, from COVID. So when COVID hit, whoever did it, basically, however this happened, um, it did a devastating effect by shutting everything down. China shut everything down. There are th- sections of China that are shut down now. They stopped something. Now, remember, if you're looking at the United States, and I want everybody, and somebody's welcome to come up and debate this with me. I, 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 if somebody wants to, just let me know, and we'll do that. But what that did was shut everything down. So I want you to look at this as let's pretend that we're looking to take, we are this small country of sage land, all right? And we're, we're an island. We're an island, right, Libert? Um, either way, but side joke. Um, and we want to take down the most powerful country, the United States, with everything the United States has. How would you do it, right? Now, you can't go toe-to-toe. So you got to look at the United States and say, okay, what are their strong points, well, our strong points is our money. Uh, we have obviously everybody, you know, United States money. We can print more than anybody. Where our printers are w- have way more ink than anybody else. Um, our food, we produce a t- food for almost everybody. We are a huge food producing country, right? Uh, our military is strong, or at least it was immensely strong for for any type of head to head combat, right? Uh, it's it's difficult for us to change, but we are we are definitely a co- confrontational military. So these are some of our strong points, right? Now, some of our weak points, unfortunately, is the same as our strong points. So if you wanted to take down the United States, one thing you're going to have to do is you're going to have to use their laws against them to break them, uh, which they do, right? So which in regards to um, sometimes freedom of speech can be can be broken down. Sometimes our our two A. Um, these are all ways that you can kind of use that to basically break us down. Disinformation. Um, when Trump basically shut down TikTok, TikTok went back to court with some Chinese funded by some Chinese and went back to court. And it, the the court said you can't shut them down. They're up and running. Well, that was funded by Chinese to basically get TikTok back up and running again. And that was kind of used 
against us because at that point, you know, we, we all know TikTok is one that basically is taking information, collecting data, and so on and so on. But what it's actually doing more, which is worse, is the short one-minute thing which grabs you and throws that information. One of the other things you're going to have to do is you're going to have to destroy our, our dollar. You're going to have to get rid of the, fat, our, the amount of money that we have. And one of our other weaknesses is we have it way too good compared to some other countries. We have it way too good. I don't care what you say. We have it way too good. Um, you go to some of these other countries, we have food that we throw more food away than some countries eat, right? We have to understand that we, we have it good here. Is there bad things? Yes, but we have it good here, you, you know? Other countries look, like Russia look at that as a weakness. Are we going to be able to live with our, without our phones? Are we going to be able to live without our, you know, uh, fancy cars and without this and without that? So if I was going to take down the United States, one of the things I would do um, was, first of all, there was a 2015 report, which I've done in other videos, stating that our logistics and our ports are horrible. They are one problem away from crumbling, from basically not being able to handle that problem. And this was a report done in 2015. We are the least efficient ports in the world. Best country in the world, least efficient. Our, you know, a lot of our ports are old. A lot of new countries that are now producing things, they're making more modern ports. China has a lot of self, um, self-driving gantry, tra- you know, cranes and self-driving trucks moving around containers. We don't, okay? So one of the things that you look at is you say, okay, if I'm China, if I shut down and everybody else shuts down, and then when I open up again, it's going to cause what we call a bullwhip effect. You, right now, you want consistency, but if you close the consistency all the way down, it drops that bullwhip all the way to the bottom. And when things start to pop up, when things start to go again, everybody's short stuff, there's a massive break in the analytics. Uh, just so everybody knows right here, Twitter, I'm going to have to cut you off. Um, if you want, you can either come to, uh, Sage live on YouTube right now, or you can go to rumble, but I'm going to cut you off here. Thanks for joining us. All right. So once that turned back on again, which was a very, very bad decision, everybody was short things and there was a massive ordering. There's a knee jerk reaction to order. I've talked about this before. Now that thing pops up. Now the bullwhip pops up because there's massive ships coming in. There's massive ordering being done. Ships are hitting the port. They're going to California because that's the main port. There's no need to change because we've always gone to California, Long Beach, and, and Los Angeles, and everything's been fine. So just keep just ship it there. It'll be fine. Well, the port loads up. They can't get things off the port. Things aren't being delivered on time. Um, trucking prices shoot up to levels they've never seen before. A bunch of truck drivers. Everybody wants to be a truck driver now. Everybody wants to be uh, an owner-operator, a trucking company. A record amounts of trucking companies come into the, into the field, and they're all, everybody's jumping on the free money bandwagon, the four, five, six-dollar-mile bandwagon. Well, once all of that loads up and we keep getting all these goods and we start to fill up, what happens is, is we, we start to get inflation, right? Because the next thing that happens is we start printing money and giving people $600 extra a week to survive. 
We're paying unemployment. We're giving out free loans. We're giving out forgivable loans. We're giving out loans that you can take a hundred. Now, remember, these are people that I might have a business that have only been in business for a year or two. Okay. And now you're giving that person who's only been in business a $150,000 loan that they can pay off over 30 years. Now, I've been in business 20 years doing what I've been doing. I didn't take a loan. I didn't take any of that free money. I didn't take any forgivable money. I took none of it. But you had a lot of new people in this industry grab that money who don't really know a lot about business. A lot of trucking companies snag that. And some are now going bankrupt. And those guys are going to be looked at saying, hey, how did you go bankrupt when you took you know, $130,000 from us? But all this free money was out there. People were now paid more to stay home than they were to go to work. You flooded the market with money. Money that some people have never had this much money before. So they bought shit. They bought a lot of shit. And they bought everything to stay home. Well, if we're going to stay home, we should buy a new TV set. We should buy a DVD. We should buy a surround sound. We should buy a new computer. We should buy a microphone. We should start YouTubing. We should start doing all this. And all of that stuff, a lot of that technology to, to be able to do your job, we got from China. China was loving it. Big boom. Big technology boom. China, things like Chinese goods, uh, because a lot of that stuff comes from there. Well, what happens is when you flood that market... It, for me to be able to sell stuff, then if, if I'm selling this microphone and it's flying off the shelves, well, then I'm selling it too cheap. That's, that's, that's the, the, the logic of business. You want to sell this where it doesn't fly off the, off the shelves. You want to sell it to a point that almost people are starting to say, nah, that's too expensive. And then you put it on sale. Okay. That's kind of a business mindset. So the price of things go, go, go up. Think prices are going up. Things are going, you know, are, are booming. Then what happens is we realize that the shutdown has shut down things um, that is we're now in trouble. So now we have a bunch of people who don't want to go back to work because it's, it's too great getting free money to stay at home. We have things that are shut down uh, in regards to fertilizer, working at a mine, oils. Um, and all these other things. And what happens is now we're realizing that the, some things are, hey, we don't have enough fertilizer. Uh, we are not making enough parts for our trucks. We're not making enough of this and that. And we run into that issue that the, now fertilizer. Countries are starting to pull back and say, well, we don't have enough fertilizer for you and us. So we're going to go ahead and keep, we're not going to be exporting fertilizer. Um, we're not going to be exporting this. And this is where you start to see the bullwhip effects because you have all this purchasing and then inflation rides with it. And now we're kind of reaching that end of that whip where, well, nobody can really, inflation's got so high that nobody can really afford this stuff. And then you have shortages, which cause more inflation because you need fertilizer to be able to grow crops, crops to be able to feed animals, animals to be able to eat and so on and so on. Now you kind of see that power slide down from that en other end of that bullwhip. So if I'm China, this is what I want to happen to the United States. I made massive amount of money, you buying all this stuff. And now you're at the peak of inflation and things start coming down. Right? 
So the minute things start coming down, Russia decides they want to go into, because it was February. February is usually the times trucking starts to slow down and things like that. Russia decides that they want to go into Ukraine. So now you're affecting our money and our logistics. China's done that with a bullwhip effect. And I called this a year ago, almost, it feels like. Every time anything we would start to kick off again, they would shut down this port. And then they're going to open up this port. And then they're going to shut down this port. Because you don't just cut the country. If I'm going to go, if I'm going to fight another country, I'm not just going to cut them off. You're not just going to cut the goods off. What you're going to do is you're going to, you're going to bullwhip them. Because if I just say, hey, I'm not going to ship you any more goods ever again, then I'm going to go elsewhere. I will find someone else to fill that void. But if I say, hey, you know what? It, it's just going to, we're fine. We're going to ship to you. Just give us two weeks. Just give us two weeks and we'll start shipping again. You don't go looking for someone else. You stay with that, that person. So it's, it's more damaging to bullwhip you, to ship and not ship, ship and not ship, than it is just to cut somebody off. Right? It's that tormenting, right? Now, Russia decides to go into Ukraine. Now, what Ukraine was important for, corruption, whatever you guys want to believe, we still have to understand that Ukraine is extremely important because it is the wheat, the breadbasket of the world, right? It feeds all that side of the, the planet. It produces tons of wheat and tons of food and basically says, hey, now they're at war. So now you've got farmers and, and crops that aren't getting planted. You've got thing, you know, we're at war situations, so they're not shipping out. They're not doing this. So now you're affecting our money, and technically, you're affecting our food. Because for us, other countries are going to come to us and say, hey, Ukraine can't produce. Can you ship us more food? All right? So at that point, somebody boot that person, please. Um, at that point, or maybe not. At that point, you now have countries that you we are basically sanctioning, like Russia, for going into Ukraine, who are huge. Thank you. Um, who are huge producers of wheat, and Russia is a huge producer of fertilizer, things like urea, which we both need in our trucks. Um, and as fertilizer. So now you have Russia affecting fertilizer and crops. And that fertilizer we need so that we can be a big producer of food. All right? So you've got, this is what I'm saying. So you've got China hitting us financially. And you now have Russia basically shutting off food and pulling back on fertilizer. And we need fertilizer to be strong for giving food because we need it for the crops. All right. So basically from that point, we are now being attacked on our front of disinformation. Um, pick your politician day. We're being divided and mentally attacked um, through our social medias. We're being attacked through our logistics and through our, our, through our dollar, our money, um, with, in regards from China and the bullwhip effect. And now we're being technically being attacked because of the shutdown from the invasion of Ukraine. And this, what happens with this is 
it is roundabout affecting us because of that. Okay? This is, the, this is what Putin did, and she d- did. Putin did this with the KGB. His, the, it was never a frontal attack. It was never, hey, we're just going to pop you in the mouth. It's, well, you know what? Our people are sick, so we got to close down our buildings. Oh, you guys are going to order Christmas stuff? Oh, it just so happens the, the town that does all the manufacturing for Christmas stuff, they're sick. We're going to shut them down just before we should be ordering Christmas stuff. So now we're at a point where we can't afford anything except for our, our needs. We can't afford wants. So you now have stores that are filling up with wants and have no place to put them. They're buying warehouse. They're trying to um, store this stuff. But eventually, they're not going to be able to afford the warehousing to hold the goods that is not selling. So they start canceling orders from China. They're canceling orders saying, don't send me anymore. We don't have room for it. All right. On the Russian side, you now take a... All you need to do is have a small invasionary force and even and go in there and just cause chaos in Ukraine because what's our response? Well, we can't have... And I'm going to show you why in, in a second. We can't have Ukraine fall... Uh, it's because of corruption. Sure, every country's corrupt. Get over it. But one, they're the breadbasket. Two, uh, they, there are pipelines that go through Ukraine that feed Germany. Okay? And I'm going to show you, there are literally pipelines on the land, not just the one in the water, that feed Germany and Europe with natural gas. Uh, have you been telling we're friends again? I have. I have been telling we're friends again um, because that's what, that's what you told me. We were friends again for five minutes as long as I didn't talk for five minutes. And I didn't talk for five minutes. So we're friends again. All right. So Ukraine is something that you just can't let it go. Now, we also sign a, a treaty that basically says, hey, uh, you can't just go and invade. I am in. If you want to come in, I do have um, Mish. Mish is open. Um, you can't just blow this, stu- you know, you blow this, take over Ukraine again, because we, Ukraine gave up all their nuclear weapons because we said we would protect them if somebody were to invade them. Now, Russia was a part of that. Okay. Then we kind of roll into what's happening today and what I'm seeing with the pipeline, the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, um, and what's going on, you know, with China and Russia and so on and so on. So it's definitely China teaming up or even pulling, you know, Russia's, you know, helping Russia pull the strings to be a part of this. But they're, they're absolutely, obviously, working together on this. I mean, there's been a lot of meetings between them. And the outsider is us. Okay. Now, some of the things that, let me see if I can pull this one here. Uh, let me see which one here. Is it this one? I'm going to play a couple of videos here. Um, and this is... Mer- okay, let me do this one. Now that Angela Merkel has finally left the political stage, many commentators have begun looking back at her legacy. 
whether she's left Germany in a better or worse position, and just how well she's fared over her 16 years at the helm of Europe's largest economy. While there's been an immense amount of debate as to what her most successful policy is, there's a consensus gathering around her worst, Nord Stream 2. Yeah, I'm going to talk about that too, Nevada. I'm going to talk about that. In this video, we're going to take a look at just why Nord Stream 2 is so controversial, especially now, and why it might end up being Merkel's biggest mistake. Before we start, a huge thank you to everyone who supported TLDR in 2021. You're Across right. our channels, we picked up a ton of new viewers. So if you want more in 2022, then subscribe. It's an expansion of the current natural gas pipelines connecting... Now, this is Nord Stream 1. Nord Stream 1 goes from here and all the way down there. That's the Nord Stream 1 pipeline. Russia and Germany that flow under the Baltic Sea. Supplementing Nord Stream 1's original annual capacity for up to 55 billion cubic meters of natural gas, Nord Stream 2 would double the number of lines on the route from 2 to 4. But while the physical aspects of the project are relatively simple, the politics are anything but. There are three main and somewhat interlinked areas of concern related to the project. Russia, relationships, and the response to climate change. When it comes to Russia, the concerns can actually be broken down a little further, into an increased reliance on it for gas and the thorny issue of Ukraine. Europe is already incredibly reliant on Russia for its energy demands. During the first semester of 2021, 46.8% of all extra EU imports of natural gas came from Russia. With regards to Now, remember, before these two pipelines that have never, Nord Stream 2 has never pumped gas. So how is Germany and Europe getting gas before that, right? Well, we had other pipelines. We had the Nord Stream 1 that was built in 2011, uh, or completed in 2011. And then we had other pipelines that go through Ukraine. So it's, it, they could, if they wanted to, they could get gas right now. oil, that figure is 24.7%. With Germany set to phase out nuclear power entirely by 2022, it's had to find other sources to meet its energy demands, one of which is natural gas. Natural gas delivered through, you guessed it, the Nord Stream pipeline. As anyone who studied economics will know, if there's a limited number of suppliers and demand for a good increases, then you hand a lot of market power to those suppliers, i.e. you have... Okay, the supplier is Russia, the demand is Germany, all right? So you're giving a lot of power to Russia by putting in this pipeline. A lot of market power to... And even Trump said this, hey, you guys want to be a part of NATO, but you still want to buy all your gas from Russia? You're giving way too much power to Russia. Russia market power that can transform into geopolitical power by linking natural gas deliveries to political objectives, which is where Ukraine begins to come into play. Over the past few weeks and months, Russia has been deploying far more aggressive rhetoric with regards to Ukraine. Having annexed Crimea back in 2014, many fear that it's planning to further its control over Ukrainian territory by mounting- Now this is older, so this already happened. An offensive. While many European allies of Ukraine have warned Russia over the grave consequences that would ensue if it did invade Ukraine, Europe's reliance on gas gives Russia its own leverage over Europe. If Europe retaliates, Russia can cut off their gas supply and- Alright, so if Europe retaliates, Russia can cut off their gas supply. Now, like I said, this is older. Now, you, Russia pays Ukraine money for their pipe to go through Ukraine, okay? So basically what you got, what you're looking at is Ru Russia invaded Ukraine. Germany said, look, just before that, Germany said, if you invade Ukraine, we're not going to certify your pipeline and we're not going to buy your gas. Russia didn't give a shit. They went into Ukraine. So right there, if I'm a German leader, I'm going to say, uh, wait a minute, 
if we just ask them not to invade Ukraine and we won't buy their gas and they didn't give a shit, six months down the road, what if they, they're not going to listen to us to, hey, please turn that gas back on if we're not doing exactly what they want us to do? If we're asking them not to inv invade Ukraine and they don't care, what happens if they can just jack the price up on us or turn it off? Okay? Because it's not, it also comes by land. Send them back to the Stone Ages. Obviously, Nord Stream 2 would further increase European reliance on Russian gas, gifting Putin even more geopolitical leverage. But Russia's use of gas pipelines for its interests regarding Ukraine isn't anything new. Back in 2011, when the first line of the original Nord Stream pipeline came online, Vladimir Putin, then Russia's Prime Minister, warned Ukraine that Russia would now have the upper hand when it came to negotiations over gas price disputes. The reason being that up until the completion of the original Nord Stream pipeline, natural gas from Russia tended to flow to Western Europe through Ukraine and Poland. All right, so we've got pipelines rolling through here. This is what, when I did the videos with, with, with Monkey, I tried to explain, hey, we, they, no pipe, there's, I'll explain. And in order to have a huge pipeline crossing through someone else's country, you're going to have to stump up some cash in the form of a transit fee. I.e., in order for Russia to sell gas to Germany, it would have to pay Ukraine and Poland to have the gas pumped through their borders. With an alternative route now available to Russia, both Ukraine and Poland no longer held a monopoly on supply routes. This is... So basically what he wants to do is now stop running the pipes through Ukraine and Belarus. Well, he'd probably keep Belarus. But running the pipe through Ukraine, get rid of that pipe... So he doesn't have to pay the toll and basically send he can send it through the through the, the, the Nord Stream 2. That's so it's not really giving them more. It's rerouting a route so he doesn't have to pay the toll road. Something that Putin is clearly conscious of. In September, he noted that like any transit country, Ukraine has the temptation to benefit from its position. Now this exclusive right disappears, our relations will become more civilized. Beyond politics, there's also the issue of money. Ukraine currently earns about $2 billion a year from transit fees, making gas transit fees... A $2 billion a year, trans $2 billion. Now remember, the Nord Stream 2 pipeline cost $11 billion. Substantial part of... Which is chump change when you're talking about a state... When you're talking about countries, $11 billion is chump change. Chump change. Ukraine's budget. We've given... I don't even know way more than that to defend against Russia right now. If Russia starts diverting more and more gas through alternative pipelines, the amount of money Ukraine gets as transit fees will inevitably shrink. It's worth noting that for now, Russia has actually committed to continuing funneling gas through Ukraine. But this is obviously a commitment that needs to be taken with a pinch of salt. Right, because they said, oh no, we're fine, we'll keep doing that pipeline, we won't shut that pipeline down. Well, would you not invade Ukraine? No, we're still going to invade Ukraine. So they can do whatever they want. They're just saying, yeah, don't worry about it, you're good, you're good. On the broader relationship front, the pipeline has been an area of tension between Germany, under Merkel it was a vigorous supporter, and both the rest of the EU and the US, who object to the plan, for the reasons we've mentioned earlier, notably Russia. For both the US and EU, Nord Stream increases the wider reliance on Russia for energy, and thus puts them in a bind when it comes to political issues such as Ukraine. Four different American administrations have expressed concern over the pipeline, from George W. Bush over the original Nord Stream pipeline, through Barack Obama, Donald Trump, and now Joe Biden. The US originally attempted to stifle the project by imposing significant sanctions against firms involved with it, but these were relatively unsuccessful, and Biden eventually abandoned the sanctions once it became apparent that it was counterproductive to the transatlantic relationship. On the climate front, though, some question whether Germany made the right decision back in 2011 to phase out nuclear power. Alright, so he abandons the sanctions and says, you know what, screw it, they ain't the way to go. 
Um, but then NATO starts putting pressure on them, and NATO starts saying, hey, uh, this ain't a good idea, right? So we didn't have the leverage to do it ourselves, but NATO gets involved. Power. According to a report by BP, Germany is, outside of China and the US, the world's largest consumer of coal, accounting for 1.2% of global consumption. For some context, in 2020, Germany accounted for nearly a third of the EU's entire consumption of coal, using more than the entirety of South and Central America combined. This all raises the question, how do you meet energy demand sustainably at the same time you're actively closing down nuclear power plants and plan to do the same with coal? And is a natural gas pipeline really the best option? Which brings us to the current day. Germany obviously now has a new government. Olaf Scholz, Germany's new chancellor, was, at his first EU summit, urged by other EU leaders to use the possible cancellation of Nord Stream 2 as part of a threat to deter Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Sorry, so the new government, Merkel's out. Out you go. And the new one isn't so, um, he doesn't think it's a good, as much a good idea as Merkel did. So EU also comes in and says, look, they're going to tell you that, why don't you say you won't do it if they don't invade Ukraine? Just last week, Germany's foreign minister, Annalena Baerbock, announced that the pipeline could not be approved and turned on as it didn't meet the requirements of EU energy law, causing European natural gas futures to surge 10%. Germany's energy regulator also last week announced that there will be no decisions in the first half of 2022 when it came to the certification of the pipeline. Tensions on the matter are turned up to 11 when you consider the fact that Europe is continuing to face an energy crisis. European gas prices have continued to climb since Bearbox announcement, reaching a new high of just over 148 euros per megawatt hour at the beginning. Now I think we're way above that. Beginning of this week, with that price climbing yet higher to 183 euros per megawatt hour by Tuesday. The, pi the price has been driven up partly by Russia. Flows through the UML Europe pipeline, one of the three pipelines connecting Europe and Russia, dropped to just six percent of capacity on Saturday. So they, so one of the things Russia said, fine. You don't want to certify the pipeline? We're going to cut back on the p gas that's going through the land pipelines. Well, if I'm Germany, I'm like, crap. Uh, they've already got us by the balls here, so what are we going to do? And 5% on Sunday, leading many people to connect the dots and see the decline of gas flows as a deliberate strategy to force the approval of Nord Stream 2. So with tensions rising to new heights, environmental concerns, and Russia seemingly throwing its weight around, it's not hard to see why some are already starting to criticise this new German strategy, and why, just days after leaving office, some are calling this Merkel's biggest mistake. But what do you think? So basically, they're looking at this and they're saying, look, if we do this, if we do this pipeline, we're going to be Russia's, Russia's bitch. Right. They're going to own us. They're going to be able to cut us off. They're going to be able to. We've got to find an alternative route. We can't certify this pipeline. Um, it's not going to go well. It's just it's not it's not working. And let me see if I can snag one more. Cause, and here's why. Is this the one? Oh, this is the 40 minute one. Hang on. Yeah, so let me play a little bit of this real quick, too. This video is made possible by Curiosity Stream and Nebula. Watch another brand new full-length companion video of 2022. Germany found itself in a position where... There's the pipelines. There is a lot of pipelines here. All right? And so it's not just this isn't the only way they get gas. Plus, you have ships. It was critically over-dependent on Russia for their imports of oil, and especially of natural gas. Resources that are absolutely vital to powering the modern industrial German economy. 
During 2021, a whopping 34% of their oil imports and 55% of all their natural gas imports were coming in from Russia alone through this complex series of pipelines. But it was the gas that was the most critical and the most difficult to replace. Cheap natural gas imported through pipelines primarily from Russia, Norway, and the Netherlands was powering roughly a quarter of Germany's entire supply of energy. And that meant a quarter of their entire supply of energy. I'll explain. The Russian natural gas flowing in from their pipes was powering more than 13% of Germany's entire energy consumption. Germany relied heavily on this cheap and plentiful Russian gas to power their manufacturing-based economy and industry, while the Russians relied on selling this gas to fund their government. And were this flow of gas from Russia ever to be slowed down or halted, it would spell an economic catastrophe for both Moscow and Berlin. But little did the Germans realize just how willing the Russians were to actually sacrifice their own end of this business relationship and torch their own economy just to spite them. Alright, so let, let's go back and listen to everyone say that. I mean, how willing the Russians were to actually sacrifice their own end of this business relationship and torch their own economy just to spite them. After the Russians invaded and began pillaging Ukraine back in February, the Germans quickly joined in on the enormous financial sanctions that the rest of the Western world passed against the Russian regime, and agreed with the rest of Europe to begin steadily reducing their Russian oil and gas imports down to zero within a few years. But the Germans couldn't just immediately remove themselves from buying Russia's gas, because doing so would have literally crippled their economy and energy supply and thrown them into a recession. And the Russians knew it. Having 13% of your energy supply suddenly vanish overnight without many good alternatives inevitably contains negative consequences. So instead, even though by June the Germans had already managed to reduce their gas imports coming in from Russia to just 35%, a lot lower than the previous 55%, the Germans have still been effectively forced into buying some amount of gas from the Russians every single day since their army crossed the border into Ukraine. Within just the first two months of the invasion, the Germans had already paid 8.3 billion euros to Moscow for these gas deliveries. As of August, those first two months of payments alone are roughly seven times more money than the German government has provided to Ukraine in the form of weapons and supplies. Russia All right. So basically, you've got Russia basically was told, don't go into Ukraine. They've got a huge deal. They've got to be able to sell this gas to Germany, and Germany needs this gas. Russia says, we don't give a fuck. We're going into Ukraine. Don't buy our shit. They literally just said, we're out. We're out. They did not care. If they cared, they wouldn't have went into Ukraine. They did not care. Right? Now, I'm going to, let me go there. Now, what is this? So, now you have the attack on the pipeline. I know, sorry, if you're here for monkey people, it, it was not as plain. It, 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 it's, like even Will said, it's been being more confirmed that it was an underwater attack. Who benefits from that? Now, everybody's like, oh, the U.S. did it. The U.S. did it. And my, I say, prove it, and nobody comes back. Nobody answers. Because... We don't benefit from that. The gas line was, the pipeline was never being used. Russia was already cutting back on the Nord Stream 1 because they said that it, it, the parts were down. They're pulling back on the land pipelines, right? So that pipeline was never hooked up, was never hooked up, all right? If we go in there and attack that, well, that's war because if it's found out that we did do that, then, it, you know, it's going to be uh, an attack on their infrastructure, on energy, Germany's going to be upset because, hey, we just went and did something, and now next thing you know, they could be being attacked, and Europe can be being attacked, and there could be situations there, and it doesn't benefit us. There's absolutely no benefit. It's not being used, and all of the gas is trying to be stopped from Russia, and we're already finding other ways to, to basically do this. Even if, 
even if the Germans were like, yeah, we need Russian gas, they can still get it from the Nord Stream 1, and they can still get it from the land, which they were already getting before. They were already getting that gas before. Now, the issue is, is who it does benefit is Russia. And I'll explain. Now, how, if I'm a country, and I know I can't go toe-to-toe, and I can't, I can't hit the United States with any type of tactical weapon, how can I cause massive chaos and massive strain on the economy and the people of another country without hitting them, without dropping a bomb, without attacking them? I blow up my own shit. I damage my own pipeline. Why? Because if I damage my own pipeline, the th- and I say, oh, you did it. The Americans did it. They did it. Now, everybody already thinks Putin's nuts. They don't know what he's going to do to retaliate. They don't know. They have no idea what the retaliation is going to be. Is he going to hit somebody's uh, oil rig in the sea? Is he going to hit somebody's natural gas ships as they go across the Atlantic? What's he going to do to retaliate against this strike? He can now use that mental state, that fear, that unknown as a, basically a psychological attack on our economy. What did it do? What did that gas line do? Almost immediately to ship natural gas across the ocean used to be about $150,000 a day. So if you were going to get, get a, a natural gas ship boat, fill it with natural gas, it would be about $150,000 a day for the amount of time that it got there, okay? You've now struck fear in the natural gas industry. Insurance rates are going to go up because boats could be sunk. Um, Protection has to go up for these ships. Crewmen, I'm not getting on one of those ships. No way. Uh, Russia might end up, you know, shooting it and I'm dead. Pay has to go up. There's more demand for these ships. It causes the, remember we talked about supply and demand? It causes a massive demand and a massive expediting in the price of natural gas to $500,000 a day. From $150,000 a day to ship this. Now, the price of gas going to the people in Europe is going to skyrocket. Just like our goods skyrocketed on the logistics side when they did the bullwhip effect. Right? Truck, if you're a truck driver, you went from $2 a mile, let's just say nice round number, to 4 or 5 or $6 a mile. Well, the person buying those goods and receiving those goods were like, holy crap, I used to pay $2 a mile, now I'm paying $6 a mile. I'm going to have to pass that on to my customers buying my goods. They're doing the same thing they did with trucking to shipping of natural gas. I mean, they are looking for long-term ways to get out of this. High prices is all I can basically see. Security tensions are near a boiling point. They're going to pro- they're gonna have to start protecting ships. The Department of Energy secretary came out and asked the Department of Defense for... We're going to have to hire, get merchant marines and someone to protect these gas ships going across the ocean. 
So you now have a massive raise, and they're projecting this to go to a million dollars a day when it starts to kick off, when winter starts to come in. Now remember, natural gas is used for a lot of things. It's used to heat. It's used to run factories. It's used to run power. When, the, when your solar power doesn't work, natural gas kicks in. Um, I mean, if Germany can't manufacture things because their manufacturing plants don't have enough natural gas and they're giving it to heat homes, Germany will collapse. Germany will literally collapse and they will go into stagflation. And stagflation is the goal. And it, you know, right here on September 26, I don't know, work on these names, uh, predicted that the liquefied natural gas shipping rates could, could top $1 million per day. $1 million per day. And at one point it was 150000 200000 300000 maybe. Now it's $1 million per day. I, all Putin has to do, and one of the things that he keeps talking about, is he wants to keep the nuclear thing up there. He wants to have that fear of a possible nuclear strike. He wants to have that fear of a possible attack. Because as long as he does that, you're going to see $1 million a day ships shipping your natural gas. Europe is going to see energy pricing like they've never seen before. They're going to be, have to ration it. The government's going to have to step in and start paying for it. They're basically leaving that. Uh, you, let me see what happened. Russia prepared its own people. Hang on. Russia prepared its own people for possible use of nuclear weapons, but it's not ready to use them yet. And once you start to see that what happens when your electric bill like my what happens if your electric bill your propane bill goes up a thousand dollars a month you will literally at that point the crumble will in the country implodes and in regards to the nuclear thing let's hit this well sky security and defense analyst michael clark is uh, back with me in this the was studio. michael we're gonna have this was yesterday october 7th no this was this morning a look at what's happening in Zaporizhia in just a moment. But first of all, I want to ask you about President Biden's assessment of potential nuclear Armageddon. What is your assessment of that? Risk? Now, it's always possible. But if I'm if, if it was me trying to take on the United States, I'm at a point right now where I just have to stroke the fear of it, the stroke, the fear of what am I going to attack? What infrastructure, what gas, what energy, what power thing am I going to retaliate against uh, because you guys hit mine, allegedly. We were hearing from Diana there that many of the, um, the nuclear warheads haven't been taken out of storage as far as we know. No, that's correct, Samantha. I mean, Diana's exactly right. If, if any of the nuclear warheads were on the move anywhere in Russia, Western intelligence would know about it, I promise you. And they're being watched like a hawk. And so... Um, that's reassuring. That, yes. While that is the case, the Kremlin is trying to signal. It's trying to keep the nuclear debate going in the West. And it's, it's succeeding. And so uh, Belgorod, one of the submarines, submarine. rather like this isn't the Belgorod, but the similar class, the, it's uh, the K-329, the Belgorod. So they want to keep it going. They want to keep the fear of it. They want to keep the threat of it. Um, it's going to cause a lot of things. One, it's going to cause us, it can cause us to panic buy, right? Well, I better go buy that panic buy, which affects our infrastructure, our supply chain, our goods and things like that. The other thing is that threat affects shipping companies that haul natural gas. And basically the, these rates for these ships, because there's going to be a high demand to ship them there already, 
you now need to protect them. So now we're paying, you now have Navy ships sitting outside oil rigs in the ocean. You now have, like, it, World War II. A lot of times, hey, the Navy's heading this way to go that way. Well, these, you know, these tankers and these container ships are going to follow with the Navy. So you're now basically eventually putting more Navy out there, which causes us tax dollars to protect technically our natural gas infrastructure. And all he had to do was break his pipeline. Breaking his pipeline himself did more damage than a, than a, than a, than a strike, than a nuke strike, because it will literally cause pain not on a small area, but until the entire country of Germany. The entire country of Germany will have to pay the price for the natural gas. That's what I would do. I'm just going to stoke the fear of the possible strike. Now, I ran, these by, I ran this by a couple other people. I ran this by um, Casey Fleming, who's the one that did that documentary. I ran it by Rebecca uh, Koffler. And they said, yeah, 100%. That's exactly... Yes, that's, it, it's the mindset of Putin, it's how he thinks, it's pretty much exactly what he's doing. And if he's not, he's, he's nuts, because it's falling into his lap. If he's not doing this, it's just falling right into his lap. This isn't the Belgorod, but the similar class. The, it's uh, the K329, the Belgorod. It's a huge thing, 30,000 tons. It left its base in Sverdvinsk in the White Sea a few days ago. It's now up in the Barents Sea, right up in the Arctic. And this carries this enormous Poseidon nuclear torpedo designed to create radioactive tidal waves that will sweep, sweep across land masses. Don't it's it's above water. Exactly, yes. And it's on the surface. And so they're showing everyone they've got it. Now, this the Belgorod only came into the Russian Navy. It was only commissioned about uh, three months ago in July. So this is a sort of testing uh, voyage that it's on. It will probably test something. It may test one of its torpedoes or one of its unarmed missiles. So the ship is out there, but it's not submerged. But the fact that the Russians are making it very clear that this, this submarine is now on the move is just a way of keeping the tension high and keeping us talking about tactical nuclear weapons because there is obviously a political game going on in the Kremlin now, a lot of infighting in the Kremlin. If they are going for some sort of talks, if they want the West to lean on Kiev to go in for talks, then keeping the, the nuclear issue high on the agenda is a way of encouraging the West to lean on Kiev. Yeah. All right. So now, if you're, he's, so he's going to lean on Kiev, right? So Kiev and, and Ukraine, right? So now what you do is you basically go and you say, look, my country, we might not be able to survive this. We might not be able to you know, have jobs. We might not be able to heat houses. We might not be able to do this and run factories and so on and so on. And we're going to have to ration. We're going to have to throw tons of money at this. We don't have tons of money. Now you might have Europe and Germany leaning on Ukraine, breaking away from us because it doesn't affect us, right? So if I'm Europe and Germany... I'm going to look at the U.S. and say, look, the U.S. is gaining from this also because they're, we're buying their natural gas. But, man, they can't get it here for the price that those pipes can, right? So we're going to have to break a little bit away from – we can't come off sanctions, but now you're going to have Europe and Germany leaning on Ukraine to say, look, would you please come to the table? Would you please come to the table? Please, please, please. Let's get to the table and let's figure out what he wants because if not – we don't know if we're, it's going to be a very bad winner for us. It's going to be a very bad winner. So by breaking that pipeline, he now basically forces Europe and Germany because of their lack of, of natural gas to push against the United States and push Ukraine to come to the table.
Now, you hope he does, and the only way he doesn't is what? The United States throws more and more money at them so that we're now throwing money at them to not come to the table. But at some point, Europe and Germany are basically going to push and say, look, we got to talk this out. we got to figure this out. And having us talk about photographs like this, um, talk to us about what's happening in Zaporizhia. Yeah, Zaporizhia. I mean, this is where there is a nuclear issue. The Zaporizhia nuclear plant, of course, is quite, it's different from Zaporizhia, the city. They're about 50 kilometers apart, 32, 33 miles. The Russians control the Zaporizhia power plant. They now claim, because of the annexation declared last week, they now claim that that, of course, is theirs, which it isn't. Um, and there have been missile strikes, as we've reported, in Zaporizhia city. There are, there are a series of reports that those missile strikes have originated from missiles that the Russians have fired from inside the plant. Those are unconfirmed reports at the moment, but it would make a certain amount of military sense because we've always thought that the Russians are trying to goad the Ukrainians into attacking the plant so that they can claim that the plant is not safe and that therefore it's anything that happens at the plant is, is Ukraine's fault. We'll see. See, and this is the stuff they do. They cause things. This is what Russia does. They launch missiles from a plant so that they fight back, and then when the plant's not safe, they say, oh, see, nuclear plant's not safe. They like breaking their shit so that they can, and blaming someone else. That's their, that's their motive. That's their motive. So let me ask you this. And let me ask you this, right? And you might think I'm nuts, but you tell me, you tell me if I, if, if, because Putin's not dumb. One, he's got a PhD in economics. He's a lawyer. He was worked for the KGB in, in misinformation and things like this and this type of thought. If I was Russia at this point and I was doing this, how are you going to stop me? At this point, I've got Europe possibly paying a million dollars a day per ship per day to get natural gas to you guys, to power your industry, to power your homes. And do all that. How would you, how are you possibly going to stop me? I don't need to hit you with a, with, with, with a weapon. I don't need to punch you in the face. I am literally destroying your house. And what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? China's buying my extra gas that, that, you know, they're buying all the extra gas right now. That I was shipping to you, China's buying it. You have big storage tanks, but those storage tanks are going to run out. I, you, you, what ha used to happen was the natural gas came down the pipeline, filled big, big storage tanks, and they had these storage tanks reserved. Well, these storage tanks are eventually going to run out. How are you going to beat me? What could you... At this point, we are in a... <laughs> we have Putin battling... Biden. And we all know that Biden's not all there. And I mean, I understand he doesn't make all the decisions. He's got a, administration and things like that. We have people that probably should not be doing what they're doing, and we are getting mentally beat. They are beating us in a mental game. They are beating us in the chess game because we're playing, I don't know, not even we're playing tic-tac-toe while they're playing chess. It is if he's not doing this, if this is not his plan, then and then I'm smarter than he is. And I'm just a logistics guy. Because this is exactly, exactly what I would be doing. 100 percent what I would be doing. That's why it's not a war. It's a it's a 
special military operation because I don't want a full boat in. I don't want this that much pressure in it. I just need enough to cause chaos. So let, you tell me. Because this is what I would be doing to this to the United States. If you got China in them, I'd have China did, doing what they did, which put us in a, a, a bad inflation, and then we're, we're going to run into high energy costs. I, I do pellets. I do wood pellets. Now, luckily, I do wood. Um, I do a wood stove also. And we've basically got that all cut up, and, and I got that a while ago. Um, but my wood pellets have gone up $100 a bag. $100, I'm, I'm sorry, not $100 a bag. $100 uh, a ton, which is 50 bags. So I used to pay two fifty. Now I'm paying three fifty, and that's now. Like normally, when I get them now, they're they're around two fifty. Um, when I get them later in the month, when I start to burn into them and it starts to get colder, so I try to get as many tons as I can, and put them in a shed I have. I normally start to pay about three hundred, three twenty five during the pellet season, right? Well, if I'm already paying three hundred and fifty dollars now. What am I going to pay when I'm in the pellet season? $450, $500 a ton? Now, a ton of pellets gets me about a month on my stoves. I live in a bigger house. It's an older house built in like 1900. And it's like 4,000 square feet, two floors. So I've got one, two, three pellet stoves and one wood burning stove in the master bedroom. So a, a ton of pellets, which is 50 bags, during a very cold month would get me about 20 days. Just under a month. I mean, how are some people going to be able to afford this other stuff? And, and this, this is what he does. This is the attack we're under. We are already in a conflict. They're playing the mental game. They're playing the hybrid warfare, the unrestricted warfare. How do you take it down without throwing a punch? It, the judo. How do you take your opponent down by using his momentum? And then you have bricks. You now have bricks, and they're looking to basically say, hey, let's come up with a currency, let's come up with this, let's come up with that. But this is what we're battling. And the only way... It happens a lot of times in domestics, right? And anybody that's been in any type of relationship, you get to a point that you're communicating, you're communicating, you're communicating, and then eventually communication breaks down and they can't get their point across and fight or flight kicks in, right? Once communication breaks down, fight or flight breaks in, kicks in, and if, if you're a fighter, you end up hitting, and if you're you know not a fighter, you end up running away and, and hiding and things like that because you don't know how to communicate. Once we lose communication, fight or flight kicks in. Well, one of the only things we know that we know we can do is, is, is fight, is throw the punch, is that head-on collisions, right? I mean, we were in Afghanistan for a long amount of time, and next thing you know, we leave, and the Taliban's back in charge, right? Because the only fight we seem to be very, very good at is that head-on fight. This mental game, this, this using your opponent's weaknesses against us, in regards to the ports, logistics, trucking, rail, um, and now going after energy and the other country's weakness is energy, you're now going to have countries like Europe and Germany arguing someplace with the United States saying, look, you, you idiots, we're, you have natural gas. We don't. So I, I don't know what to tell you, but we need Ukraine to come in and, and get to the table. 
we need the natural gas. And we're looking at it as, well, we're going to throw money, we're throwing money, we're throwing money for them to, to, hit, to fight this battle. It's, it's going to be a breakdown in regards to either Europe and Germany are going to start losing respect and basically push Ukraine into that. And w- the way we're going to stop that is either throw money at it or we're going to go into Ukraine. And that's, we're throwing money out, and that money is, is like that communication between two people to, in a relationship. Once we decide that money ain't working, it's just like communications breaks down. And either we back off, and we let Europe and Germany push Ukraine into making the decision, and push them to the table, or we go in fighting. And that's, that, that's the only way, that's the only two outcomes I see. Either Europe or Germany, it gets colder, and Europe and Germany start stepping in and telling Ukraine, you need to negotiate. Or the United States basically is going to have to step in because we can't give money to Ukraine and to Europe and to everybody else. Crap, we're, we're, printing, we're printing too much money as it is now. But I don't, there are, I don't see any way. Tell me, because I, and tell me. Somebody tell me, and that's why I, when I was explaining this to Monkey and everything else, he's like, oh, we did it, we did it. Bullshit. Bullshit, we did it. We're not, I'm telling you right now, because if we did this, we put Putin in this position. We put Putin in this, in this position. We put him, we gave him so much strength, he's got us. But I'm just telling you, when I look at this stuff, I look at it like, how would I handle this? How would I do this? If I wanted to take him down, how would I do this? Russian exports show no sign of slowing despite new EU sanctions. They're still killing it. Yesterday saw European adapt an eighth package of sanctions against Russia and its aggression against Ukraine, including targeting the nation class society. However, targeting volumes of dry bulk oil show the Russian export machine is working around the clock to deliver, to deliver even more cargoes of energy. They are shipping energy to anybody that'll buy it. China, anybody that'll buy it. They're rocking and rolling. And what does it do for Russia? Dri- that, hitting that pipeline not only drives up the price to Europe, but it drives up the price that Russia can now sell it because that it's all going to rise. And so now Russia can make more money on it as they continue to sell it. If Putin did not do this, if Russia did not do this, I'm smarter than them. And, I, and I'll, I'll admit I am, but no, I'm close. But if they, there's no way, right? There's no way. There's no way some guy working on a microphone in his, in his office that moves freight can't see this. Can, can, isn't, is smarter than them. Because you wait, if you're in Europe or you're in Germany, you wait to see how much it goes up. Toss them. You wait to see how much it goes up. Tell me, somebody tell me what I just explained, basically you guys seeing that this can go up to a million dollars now. And and like I said, I can go back, let me go back to... uh, He talked about it, and I'll snag it. Let me see right here. 
And I don't. And look, if you don't like Glenn Beck, I don't give a shit. I, it's the information that he's be, he's saying that you need to pay attention to. Uh, yeah. This is wow. How do you get inflation to come down? Well, you usually would raise interest rates, and that would. De- and that's another thing. Here's our inflation skyrocketing. They already said they're not going to lower it, even in 2023. And remember, if you get stagflation, check, check this out. This is great. It, there are freight brokers that use a line of credit to pay their carriers. I use a factoring company. If anybody needs a factoring deal, let me know. Um, but some c- freight brokers pay carriers with a line of credit. Okay? So at that point, that line of credit that they have is basically going to could go to 20% because they're paying interest on that. So if I'm trying to pay a carrier... And I've got to pay a carrier $2,000 and I'm using a line of credit and me paying him $2,000 is costing me 20% on top of that $2,000 times 100 or 200 loads. That broker is going out of business if they don't switch quick. Increase demand, slowing the economy and hopefully. And what do you do with all those dollars? Suck them back in. Suck them back in and Mm -hmm. burn them up, Mm -hmm. right? So the, the reason why we have higher interest rates is because the Federal Reserve is charging more for the banks to borrow that money. So they charge you more money and all of that money goes back to the central bank and they destroy it. That way there's, you know, the, the definition of inflation. Uh, Sage, do you think they will let us get our asses kicked in war to do away with the constitution? I think it's a good possibility. And, and this is why another reason that, uh, so everybody knows uh, you guys can look it up. One of the things that bringing people in and giving um, from other countries that are military age um, is also a fact that, look, once they come in and they get this free money, they have to sign up for selective service, which is the draft. Okay? Um, so one of the reasons to get selective service is, hey, you, you get a driver's license. They're not even from this country. They're not even legal. Yeah, but if they have a driver's license, we now have an address, and we now have them signed up for selective service. So those people, those military-aged men, would have to go to war. They'd have to. Now, part of that war could be maintaining things here or it could it could be going overseas so is it is it going to change yes there's no way i don't see change coming from this um 100 remember you have china that is 100 percent 100 percent going against us now understand the mindset of china China was a monstrous country that controlled pretty much everything, right? I mean, they were a powerhouse. Well, British come in and start working with Japan, and sorry, uh, Exuto, but in truth, um, and Japan starts to get things like guns and things like that, right? Japan, this little island, basically said, you know what? We want to start controlling all of Asia. And they went into China, and they literally took China over. I mean, China was huge back then, but the mindset of the Japanese people were scary as hell. They were one Japanese soldier would terrify 10 Chinese soldiers. Well, it was brutal. And you guys can even look up, uh, it's, it's called the, well, it's called the R word, but so, but let's call it the taking of Nanking, uh, where they basically went in and just, they would devastate the, they devastated all of Nanking. Um, killed hundreds of thousands of people, went in there, um, 
manhandled men, took advantage of women, children, everything. They just brutally went in, right? They didn't care. So one of the things that China said, learned from this, and, and it wasn't until World War II where we said, get out of Korea and get out of there, or we're going we're gonna to keep bombing you with bombs, right? Hang on. No, it's not for me. So they learned from that that they never wanted that happen again. They will never let another country, they will not let their people be dominated. They will not let their people be, go through that ever again. But it's going to be a slow process. So the mindset of the Chinese people is, we are going to dominate all of you. We want all of you. We want to control the world. We are the leaders. And, and a part of that is becoming that, that communist, socialist market economy, whatever you want to call it, where there's cameras everywhere, there's credit scores everywhere, and you're basically controlled by the government. Their goal is to have us under that. They're pushing that huge here. Um, I think a lot of this, you're seeing a lot of this in regards to the E to the S to the G, yeah, you know me, um, being pushed for that. And it's going to be a point, I believe, that it's going to be, and this is where we become dangerous because guns are both good and bad here. Right? right now they're good, but in chaos, every, it's going to be the Wild West. It could be the Wild West here. And the last thing you want is an American Wild West when we have nuclear weapons. Other countries might have to come in and say, okay, we can't just let you guys be the Wild Wild West. But right now we already hate each other. We're already at a point of divide. We're already at a point that it could, a breaking point could be something an explosion someplace, uh, something, somebody says, oh, here, it, we're now in WW, uh, and it's not E, it's the number three. That could cause a massive chaos. It's not going to be, there's no way we're going to have a civil war or a revolutionary war because we have no leaders. We're just going to have controlled chaos. And when that controlled chaos comes in, the way to fix that controlled chaos is throw everything out and start over. The great start over. Is going to come from some type of controlled chaos that has to be reined in. Inflation is too many dollars chasing too few goods. Now we have an extraordinary problem because we have too few goods because the supply chain broke down. And this was known 2015. So that automatically will make things go up. But we also have a problem the world has never had before. Never. We have debt all over the world that is it's unpayable it's just unpayable hey by the way we're number one we're number one again it is unpayable this has never happened before we just so at this point keep printing money keep sending money to ukraine who cares broke 31 trillion dollars in debt uh it took us only nine months to go from 30 to 31 trillion which i think is i mean that's a world record and pretty special Pretty special. Really amazing. We did a great job there. Mm -hmm. So as the government is spending all of this money, it is increasing inflation because the money is just being printed. And you can't print money without inflation. So what are they saying? The U United Nations is now demanding that all central banks stop their rate hikes. All right. All central banks, stop your rate hikes. Stop raising rates. Stop raising interest rates. Which is the way to stop inflation. Stop rate hikes. And switch instead to price controls. Okay. We don't want to stop. We don't want to raise the interest rates. We want to start telling you, you can only make, you can only sell this for $5. You, hey, truck driver, you can only 
charge $2.50 a mile. You can't charge anymore. Hey, freight broker, you can only charge this much to your customer because it's three, let's say $3 a mile to your customer because you have to pay the truck driver only $2.50. That's rate controls. Now, here's the problem. They're doing price controls now in Europe for gas and oil. There's price controls. There's price controls. They are basically saying you can only charge this much. So if I'm Putin, I'm going to make it so unbelievably expensive that your price controls destroy you. Any company that's doing anything, if I can only charge this much, I'm going to go under, I win. The problem is the companies can't make enough money. They can't make enough money with the price controls that Europe's now put in place. And this was, he's saying this October 5th. All I had to do was blow up my own pipeline, scare the shit out of everybody in, in the natural gas industry, drive the prices through the roof while you have price controls in place so your companies can't make enough money. What happens to the company that can't make enough money? What happens if Nevada's still in here? If I tell you you can only run for $1.50 a mile, your trucking company goes under. So you'll have to figure out a way that you can run for $1.50 a mile. Some can, some can't. If you can't, you're out. It's, it's, it's dumb, but this is what they want to do. Because it's about shortages. So if you had uh, you know, a way to make money to go and drill for some more, you can make the price go down. That's how it works. You have a high price, you make more, you find more, you ship more. But what is our government doing and what is Europe doing? They are limiting the oil and gas. So we caused this problem. Not we. You didn't cause it. I didn't cause it. The Democrat down the street didn't cause it. The global elites have caused this. And what they've done is they've shut down and said, we're getting off of all energy. We're going to go for this new phantasmic kind of energy that nobody really knows yet. I think that was already planned that they... Putin already knew that this type of shit, and, and, and the, the global elites, the United States, are like, holy shit, we can't beat this. So we're going to have to tell everybody right now to get off natural gas, but we're not ready to get them off natural gas. Who cares? They're smarter than us. Putin's smarter than us, and we're fucked. Well, we've reached the fucked point. We've now reached the fucked point. But it's going to be great, and we're going to stop all production of fossil fuels by 2035. Okay, all right. So how do you get the price to go down? The UN is now saying price controls. You just tell those energy companies you're not allowed to charge more than X. Why doesn't that work, Stu? It sure to fuck doesn't work when the price to get it there is way above X now. <laughs> how long do we have? Yeah, uh, it never works. It's never worked. Um, you know, it only makes things much worse. It makes things much, much, much worse. Mm-hmm. And uh, over time, it destroys an economy. I mean, we, every time we've attempted it, it's it's blown up in our face. Yeah, because it's no longer the free market. Right. So they are now saying go off the free market on all prices, all prices. Now, here's another reason why it won't work. For instance, the energy companies, the energy companies right now can't make money. They can't make money. They can't even make enough money to keep operating. They cannot make money. So what? What is the European banks doing, the central banks? They are printing money to give it to the companies to make up for the shortfall. So this is not reducing inflation, price controls, not doing anything. Mm. 
So that's coming from the UN today. I don't know if that's, you know, I don't know, something that maybe is a line for you. But we will watch to see if our Fed does as the UN has directed. Now, now, why would they do that? Why would they say stop it? Because they have to now print the shit out of money to cover the massive scare in regards to a possible strike by a tactical, um, the possible not a torpedo of a natural gas ship. They have to print the shit out of money to cover the energy costs, and we're not even in the winter. They are focused over in Europe on collecting extra funds for cash-strapped governments because the governments are cash-strapped because they're pumping out billions in emergency aid to help cushion businesses from the things they can't afford anymore. So they put a price cap on, uh, on oil and gas. Now, the problem is, is the price of gas is up because nobody is investing in getting it. And the supply is now at risk. America could be a big winner here if we were just willing to open up. But we're not. We're not. Um, and so with a price cap in Europe, most likely that gas will go to China. Because China doesn't have a price cap. And so if you want the free market to work, well then... I don't Stop. You already, why waste your time on me? Toss his ass. Gone. You want to see me waste my time on you? Don't, don't fuck with my mods. Go away. I'm busy here. We're busy here, son. Back to the playground with you. I don't know. They're going to pay me a dollar more instead of $4 a gallon for liquefied natural gas. They'll pay me $5 a gallon. I'm going to China. Then the government has to step in, the global government, and has to say, no, you can't sell that to China. That's not going to make China. What is that? No, you can't sell that to China. It's nationalizing it. It's nationalizing it. What's going on with, with silver right now? Silver's way backed up. You can't get it. It takes forever to ship it. This silver, we have a problem here. What's going to happen eventually? They're going to nationalize that shit. That's Welcome to war. Happy. Oh, one, one other thing. The UN is also saying, and global experts are also saying, that we need to have, uh, you know, what was that ch chip bill? Chips for everybody. <laughs> What was that? Yeah, the Chips called? Act. Yeah, the Chips Act. Mm -hmm. They're now calling for a Ships Act. Here we go. That the United States starts to build all kinds of ships like we did in World War II. Because we rely too much on Chinese shipping companies. Which, if I'm not mistaken, one of the big shipping companies is owned by uh, Turtle Face's wife, right? The, the family. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that weird? Anyway, um, we're looking now to... Uh, to build our own ships. However, China is posturing that if we do this, that won't sit well with them. All right. Now, China, may, they may make a lot of ships. They pump them out. These are container ships. They are very dominant. They're controlling. Uh, they also control containers, the cans themselves, and chassis. So China's basically saying, whoa, we don't want you building your own ships, bitch. Uh, get back down there and just keep, keep making your people work and buying our stuff. So, I mean, think about this. We are being bitch slapped. So we're just making things a little more complicated. And, and nobody has even thrown a punch. And, but I feel good. I feel good that it is experts that are doing this, you know, because trust the science. Um, also, let me show you a little bit of your future. Outraged bank clients, at least two of them armed, stormed four commercial banks in Lebanon yesterday. 
over the withdrawal limits. That Let me find that. It's all tied up someplace. And so we, we have to go on to austerity as well. Robbers are going in and saying, I in which he has $700,000 in the bank. All right. Hang on. Say these big numbers. Let me go to another you, one. Go back here for a second. I want to make sure I find the one. Uh, I can't remember which one I played. Which one did I play? I don't think it's a disappearing settlement. Maybe it is. Hang on. Security. Yeah. Now, okay. It was the Secretary of Energy. Okay, asking, here we go. Ships. It's a to improve much. Mm, all right. If you're a long-term thinker, in half an hour, your mood is going to improve a great deal. Eh, not because I don't have an answer. Yesterday, I several times gave you a warning about something. And lo and behold, an answer appears to show you the way to make that happen. Uh, and he'll be joining me. In just about 30 minutes, so don't go anywhere. Now, do you ever remember Merchant Marines? All right. Oh, was a mer- merchant Marine, I've talked about this, but so basically a Merchant Marine was just anybody that was on some of these containers. They were also, a Merchant Marine could be put onto a Navy vessel. You were basically just um, a sailor. Merchant Marine. You weren't actually a Marine uh, with, you know, military status, but you, you could be put on military vessels. When I was a kid, I didn't even know what that was. What the hell is a Merchant Marine? Is that some sort of a offshoot of the Marines? No, it was just somebody who was working merchant ships, merchant mer- merchant uh, convoys. What are those? Those are just like the big, you know, those big, huge ships that come in with all the, you know, uh, cargo on the back of it. The cargo ships. It's a, those are merchant marines that are right. running those things. Okay. We had a problem with merchant ships back in the 1930s. As things progress with the Russian war, the more this thing echoes the buildup of World War II, I think we're somewhere between 1936 and 1938, the invasion of the Rhineland and the invasion of Poland. But it's interesting because... Now, understand back then we didn't have the means to be able to invade the way we are. So what what we're talking about is, is we're being invaded in other ways. We're being invaded through uh, lawfare where they technically turn our laws against us um, to make things happen. Example, um, being selling property near military bases to Chinese. Can't stop it because our laws and our constitution and, and the way that the state laws and everything else and state constitutions is all written, we, there's no way to stop it. They're allowed to buy this stuff, stuff here unless a law or something is created. So they'll use this stuff to basically come in and buy this property and, and take this over. Tyson Foods, I think it's Tyson Foods. Tyson Foods is Chinese owned. Um, they're, normally you would not want to allow your um, food to be controlled by a foreign asset. I don't know. That's just me. I guess it's different on sage, sage land. Um, that wouldn't happen. But here, our laws allow it. So it's a, a subtle thing now in regards to social media, um, what we watch and things like that, and the way you know media is twisted, and even the people in the media might not even know uh, what's going on, or it doesn't sell, so they play the chunk. So that's another type of invasion social media and what's being projected uh invasion into our schools making kids um be, be with uh no what the hell they're called somebody hooked me up where they're, they're dancing and stuff um and things like that and, and being taught sexual education at the age of six um and and things like that it's it's that's still a version of an invasion but it's like a soft tactical hybrid one right headlines this week have uh, shown that a cabinet-level secretary of the United States has called for merchant convoys 
and armed escorts for the LNG ships going from the U.S. to Europe. That's natural gas or propane. Okay, It was the Secretary of Energy asking the Secretary of Defense to provide increased security for private naval vessels. Did you know that? Now, they didn't use convoy or escorts, but you just, just want to make sure that uh, the Pentagon is providing some uh, security for these uh, carriers that are on their way to Europe and they need increased security. Now, how are we going to in- increase security for liquid natural gas with 80,000 tons of displacement? And by law, they can carry no armaments, no defensive system of any kind. See, this is why Nord Stream was so serious. Because it's a private infrastructure. And if the Russians claim we did it, then they can claim, well, our private infrastructure is a target as well. So the naval responsibility for all of our shipping uh, security in the Atlantic Ocean falls to a carrier group, a brand new carrier, the most sophisticated carrier ever, the Gerald R. Ford carrier group. You know, it doesn't, Gerald R. Ford doesn't instill confidence in me, but. Now, this has been at sea trials for the last two years. It's the newest of our character uh, of our carriers. And it's been, some would say, plagued with issues for their launch system, the electromagnetic launch system, the elevator. So we're at a point now where these ships need to be, they need to be secured. So we're calling, the Navy is basically saying, the Department of uh, is it Defense is basically saying, look, uh, I don't care if that ship's uh, decommissioned. I don't care if it's not working real well. I don't care if it's the best. We need to get that shit out there right now. Right now. Um, and when that happens. And this is basically, I'm trying to find another one that they were basically putting Navy ships right outside of a um, oil platform, an oil rig in, uh, I can't find it right now. There was, a, there was basically a Navy vessel, I can't remember, I think it was, um, it might have been the Dutch, or somebody was basically putting a Navy vessel right outside their oil rig to protect their oil rig. This is the chaos. This is the stuff that raises. I mean, anybody that's in here... It, do I have any truck drivers in here? Is there is Nevada still in here? If I told you that we're going to have to load you with natural gas and you could be a target to get blown up and die, how much are you going to charge me for that compared to hauling hay, bottled water, diapers, toilet paper? What's the charge for hauling the natural gas if I say you're a possible target to die? Price goes up. Insurance goes up, right? All that goes up. And this is basically what that did, what that pipeline did. It will collapse Europe and Germany for a million dollars a day. I don't see how you get out of it. At this point, I don't see how you get out of it. And all he has to do is keep that threat up. That's all he has to do. And this is the situation that we're basically in. This is where we're at. So looking at the future, how do you get out of it? Again, I do this basically look at it and saying, hey, um, this is how I would do it. Is Europe either pressures, Europe and Germany either pressures Ukraine to come to the table. And there's some type of push for that. And we start to see a push for that. Or we throw endless amounts of money at Ukraine and eventually um, Putin's next step is to somehow draw us in and look bad. And, and he's going to basically do that by saying, look, 
the United States is causing you, Europe and Germany, to not be able to go to work, to not be able to produce things, to not be able to heat your house, to not be able to cook that food on that gas range. It's the United States doing this. And then you have a divide between the people of Germany and Europe and their politicians and the United States. And it, it's going, that would cause the people of, let me, t- let me put you this way. We have the pick your politician day coming up. If it came out that we are all seeing inflation, we are all seeing higher heating bills, we are all seeing uh, uh, jobless because of gas being delivered to us. And the reason for that is Germany and our politicians, you're going to vote those politicians out. And, and you're going to vote for politicians that are going to basically fix the problem. Europe is going to see that he's going to blame that. And any type of elections or anything that happened over there, that's going to be all over the place. You guys, you guys cause this. United States caused this. And you let the United States cause this. You're picking the United States over your own people. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a collapse over there. And then you're going to get people that are more lenient to force Ukraine to come to the table with Russia. And then Russia's going to say, well, I want this, I want that, I want this, I want that. And whatever they, they want. They've already put out there someplace that I, I'd have to find it, but there was an article that said that it would take a couple months to fix the, the Nord Stream 2. So it's not gone forever, but it's gone long enough to cause the people pain. See, the problem is, is that Russia's not at war with the United States. They're at war with the, the citizens of the United States. Russia's not at war with Europe. They're at war with the citizens of Europe. They're at war with the citizens of Germany. They're at war because when it comes down to it, the second weakest part is us. When you don't have the leadership of government, when you don't have the leaders of government there to protect us, that are knowledgeable, that can see the stuff that I see, then you have chaos. Because when you have too many chiefs and not enough engines... It's bad, right? That's the saying. Too many leaders, not enough soldiers, too many stuff, and we don't have the leadership. And they know we don't have the leadership. We've seen that we don't have the leadership. Our leaders are nuts. They don't have no idea what's going on. There's no way they sit down and look at this the way I, I look at this, or the way I see it. So if they attack us... Eventually, there's chaos here because the leadership can't stand up. It's their job. It's the country's, it's the politician's job to stand up and see what I'm seeing and say, oh shit, we need to do something. It's their job to basically say, hey, we're going to lead the country, but we don't have that. We have chaos. And in, in regards to citizens, if we don't realize that, if we don't realize what we have to do and stop with the disinformation and basically do critical thinking and get our brains back and see this type of stuff, we're going to lose everything we have. Because in my opinion, we're going to go from this to energy to people basically at a point where they can't afford to do things, can't afford to eat, can't afford this, not working. Uh, And next thing you know, they, it starts with anger, frustration, uh, because you've lost control, and human beings need control in their lives, they, and they, they need that. You've lost control, which is going to end up in chaos, and we are a gun-toting country. And I am pro-2A, but the problem is, a pro-2A country 
in chaos would be very dangerous. Would be very, very, very dangerous. I mean, there would be a list of people. People would be would have a list in their back pocket of neighbors and stuff. They're like, you know what? I remember when he blew his snow back onto my driveway with his snowblower. Well, I'm going to go fix that. And there's not going to be, and law enforcement is going to protect their own. Military is eventually going to, it is not enough to basically take everything over here because they're going to have to be, at that point, fighting, you know, against possibly other countries. And next thing you know, we have uh, NATO forces here to help contain things. And then it's all gone. It's all gone. I'm just looking at things from top down view. And I, call, I seem to be able to call this shit. If you go back and watch my videos, I seem to be able to see this shit happening. And, and then it happens. And it, to me, it's just the next gradual step. It's what, I guess I'm an evil person uh, because I can see, like, if I really wanted to take that country down, what, how would I do it? This is it. So if there's a way... I don't know how anybody heats there. Let me know. Put in your thing. How how is your house heated? How is your? I do wood pellets and wood sorting stove. I did have a. I don't even know two hundred and no. I think it's a five hundred. I did. I think I had a five hundred gallon diesel tank when I moved into this house. But at that price, diesel prices were too high, and this house is not insulated. Um, so running that was like woo a problem. So natural gas. So tell me how what you know what heats your water. What, what do you use to cook your food? Um, what, like, is it all natural gas? Like, I have an electric stove. Um, and I have a propane hot water tank. So I go on, my hot water tank is a uh, tankless propane. What do you use? To, what do you guys use? So, and if we're pushing all this natural gas out, it's going to raise our natural gas prices. Because remember, that's private industry. It's not government. Ours is not government industry. It's private industry. And they're going to want to turn some type of profit. So if there's a demand to send it to Europe and Germany, well, it causes a higher price here. Stove or dryer and water, all natural gas. So we got a bunch of natural gas. This is what that pipeline did. This is why I don't give a shit what Monkey Work says. He's fucking wrong. We did not do this. If you're in my comments and you're saying that we did this, because I know when I end this show, I dare anyone to let me, you just put in there, you'll go live, and you'll debate this against me. We did not do this. Russia broke that pipeline. Russia shoots missiles from a nuclear base, hoping you'll blast back and damage the nuclear base, the nuclear power company. This is what they do. So if you're going to put in your comments, no, we did this. If you ain't got the balls to tell me, to give me your side, to debate me, to explain your side, just, just say, no, we did it. Shut the fuck up. You're wasting time. You're wasting my time. Because I'm telling you right now, they did this. Because if they didn't, then I'm a fucking genius and they're not. And although I am a genius, no, not as much, but they've got to have smarter people than me. And this is what my frustration point is, is because if you're telling the country that we did it, you're not helping. You're not helping the country. But if you explain it like I just explained it, you can kind of see, okay, here's what's going on. 
here's going to be the next push. The next push is going to be print money, print money, print money, print money. So now we wait to see. Do they raise rates the next time? Do they raise the rate, the interest rates, and how much do they raise it? Now, should they raise it? Hell yeah, they should be raising it because inflation's still there, unfortunately. But do they raise it or not? If they don't raise it, that means they're following the EU. That means we're throwing money at, at something and we don't give a shit. And it's going to basically be, who cares? Throw the money and we're going to keep throwing money until we can't throw money anymore. And then we're going to throw punches. And punches are not the type of punches that we want to get into. Because if you're just eventually throwing money, throwing money, throwing money, throwing money, throwing money, you can't, and it doesn't fix the problem. If money can fix a problem, it's not a problem. Okay, when money can't even fix this problem, we got a fucking problem. And that's where we're at. That's where we're at. And that is kind of where we have to see what they decide to do. Or if they raise rates, you're then going to see Europe. We have to I have to watch Europe and Germany and see if they their people start to fly into Ukraine and meet with uh, the president there. Um, and because they're going to start to try to put pressure on him to get out, even though we're throwing money and it's going to be, who, who does he go with? Does he like, do they like the money from the U S or is, is Europe and, and Germany going to be able to put the pressure on saying, Hey, we, you got to do this. And then it becomes an eternal fight. So that's what we got to watch for. What does the feds do? Um, with the interest rate next time, do they just raise it another 0.5 or 0.75? Or, or do they really bump it up? And if they really bump it up um, and raise that interest rate, it's, it's basically going to be Europe is going to pressure them, and we hope that they're able to pressure Ukraine into at least coming to the table. If not, I don't see any other way out. I literally don't see any other way out. We are at a point where he's got us by the balls. I mean, does anybody want to argue against it? Let me know. Now, in regards to the the sub that's out there and that, yes, is that a threat? Yeah, it's always a possibility. It's always a threat. But when, if you're going to use that threat, a threat like that, the last thing you're going to do is show that shit. When you're showing that shit, it's a, it's a fear tactic. It's a scare tactic. It's a tactic saying, look, we've got this. We've got this. And it's just more pressure and more pressure because, like I said, remember, um, I can't remember who said it, but somebody basically said Putin was, you, nobody un- could understand the mind of Putin. Nobody know which way he went. Nobody know he's nuts, he's not nuts, he's this, he's that. I don't think he's nuts. And I think I understand what, what Russia's doing. And they, they have got, their, between China fucking us with, with our logistics and our supply chain and our interest rates, you now have... Russia fucking with them, and they're going to do the exact same thing. It's the exact same damn thing. Just, we paid $30,000 for a container. They're going to pay a million dollars for, a, for a, 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 a natural gas ship. It's the same damn thing. Two different countries are hitting two different countries the same damn way. affect our energy, affect our, our supply chain. The key was to, he finally basically said, screw it. They're never going to take gas from us. They're never going to hook up to that pipeline because I'm never going to give up Ukraine. 
So go ahead and blow that pipeline. Go ahead and hit it. Then he hit it. So, that being said, I, I know I'm doom and gloom, but look, I just want to make sure that you guys actually see what's going on. Right? Is it good? No, it's not good. I ain't gonna lie. Is it something you want to hear? Probably not. It is definitely not something that if today's your birthday, you want to show up. Hey, I'm going to go to the Sage Show. Bad choice. Do not spend your birthday on the Sage Show. All right? <laughs> Just let me know. But that's how I see things going on. And again, like I said, um, did I close that one? I will be having... I might have closed it. No, I might, yeah, because I used this one. Um, let me go to my channel. And, and, and again, like I said, well, you, you know, you're, you're right. I'm just a logistics person and what, hang on. I'm just a logistics person, but I see things from like top down. That's what I've been doing for the last 20 years. I can't look through the windshield. I've got to look at all the moving parts and make sure that all the moving parts work. That's how I've been looking at things for the last 20 years of my life. And, and once you can, once you're able to change that view and look down that it, it's, it's all I see. And then I go to people, like I said, uh, hang on, do, do I have the, actually, hang on one second, let me go here, let me go here, go here, oh, look at that, it puts things on there, uh, is this it right here, nope, not this one, hang on. Stand by on one. Uh, I have too many emails. Uh, let's just go to Black Ops. Let's just go to Black Ops. Let's go here. Let's go here. And basically, like I said, I'm trying to see if it's got his, uh, the people on here. I thought it did. Headlines, audio publications. Let's go to firm. Is it a firm? You would think that they would have, uh, yeah, here it is. So basically, uh, this is the one right here, the CEO, CEO, strategic partners, uh, managing director. So this is the guy right here that I'm, and you guys can look him up. He's been on, you know, I'm trying to find the thing he sent me. Hang on. Oh, I know where it might be. Yeah, I know where it is. Hang on. Let's do this. Uh, download. And let me slide this over for a second here. Oh, it's probably my downloads. Attachment. I have too many monitors. All right, let me build this up. Uh, Casey Fleming was recognized worldwide as a senior advisor and keynote speaker of the most pressing issue factor uh, board, CEO, and C-suit and government leaders. Uh, Mr. Fleming is one of the most sought-after experts 
on the convince. Why is this so blurry? Um, convenience of risk strategy, cyber counterintelligence, geoeconomical, geostrategic issues in the human element, hybrid warfare, and protector of the private sector. Uh, he was a chairman and chief executive board of Black Ops Partners, global leader, and partnering with a senior executive in strategic risk strategy, corporate counterintelligence. Um, let me go down here. What did he do? Uh, Mr. Fleming regularly advises the board of senior leaderships within private sector, Congress, Department of Justice, Federal Bureau of Investigation, Office of the Director of National Intelligence, National Counter Security Center, uh, CIA, Central Intelligence Agency, Secretary Exchange Commission, White House, Pentagon, and Academia. He frequently interviews by media for his expertise in corporate economic counterintelligence and national security. Uh, Mr. Fleming was a... So this is the people I'm bringing on. And this is the one that I reached out to, ran this by him, and he basically said, yeah. Yep. And so this is the type of people that, look, I'm not bringing on somebody that might have had implants implanted in their head while they were sleeping. Uh, I'm bringing on somebody that, hey, they, I don't know, worked for the Defense Intelligence Agency, uh, briefed NATO, briefed the CIA, uh, Rebecca Koffler. I'm bringing him on in a couple weeks and other people from this. He's got DEA agents and things like that uh, because we have basically um, not fentanyl, fentanyl coming across the border from Mexico into um, from China to Mexico to us. And that is the opium wars. Which, I don't know, opium wars. And the opium wars was basically what Britain did to China by bringing drugs in. Uh, the first opium war was fought in 1839 to 1842 between China and Great Britain. Opium was illegally in China, but profitable for trade for British, uh, which initiated war to keep the trade flowing. Uh, the second opium war was fought between China and Britain and France in 1856 and 1860. In each war, the Europe forces modern military technology led to easy victory over the Chinese forces. So basically, Britain brought in opium, got them all hooked on it, that the country needed it, and they wanted it, and they wouldn't let it go. And then the British basically went in and said, hey, we're going to go in and now take over Hong Kong and things like that that they moved in on. And that's the same thing that's going on with fentanyl. You give it to China, you give it to Mexico, and you bring it in here. And fentanyl is way more dangerous than opium. Way more dangerous than opium. Yeah, you guys can toss whatever you want. I'm cool with it. Here, is he gone? Uh, poof, gone. Yeah, I don't play. I don't. I don't play the game. Just so you guys know, um, if you bash me or Will and uh, think you're going to come in here and play nice, it's too late. I'm I'm really too busy for that shit. Really too busy for it. Gone. All right. That being said, that's pretty much all I wanted to kind of cover. Um, was kind of go over that and let me do this. Boop. And I know, like I said, I know it's definitely not your birthday thing, but uh, how about we give some to Will? What are we giving to Will? He could have clicked the button. Will could have came in at any time. But no, yeah, if you guys kind of, just so everybody knows, if you're going to, you know, attack either me or um, 
my co-host occasionally when he's, you know, not doing other things um, and lets me on the show once I pay my, my money to, to be able to be on a show, then, yeah, I don't, I don't play nice after that. I'm not good at, you know, forgivement, I guess. All right. Uh, that being said, I'm going to fentanyl. Yeah, whatever. Fentanyl. I'm going to have to practice that one. Um, that being said, I'm going to go ahead and cut out of here. I want to thank everybody for swinging in. Uh, sorry about the doom and gloom, but I just want everybody to know, you know, the play that's being made uh, and the next play we have to see what the Fed's going to do with the interest rate. Are they going to listen to the EU? And if they don't listen to EU, is the EU going to get pissed off and try to backdoor us at Ukraine and force them into negotiations? And then at that point, it's us versus the U.S. And then, uh, I'm sorry, it's us versus the U- EU over Ukraine. And we're fighting amongst ourselves pretty much like children. Uh, why Putin just keeps keeping the threat and pressure of a possible nuclear strike. Um, so that, you know, the price of gas and everything else keeps skyrocketing. Energy is a big factor when you start threatening things. When you start threatening the possibilities of a nuclear strike, it's key. And just so everybody knows, I'm probably the first wiped out um, because I'm like 40 miles from, I guess, the antennas that talk to submarines. Um, so it was nice knowing you when that happens. Um, but I guess I'm, I'm pretty close. So I'm hoping it's very, very tactical. Um, but besides that, I'm going to dive out of here. Thanks, everybody, for showing up. And as always, stay safe. Stage out. No. Sometimes this life can get rough. You get knocked down, but you got to get up. Keep going. I'd have been knocked down a thousand times. Yeah, I traveled around.